Hello, I'm Elena DelVal, and this is the HispanicNPR.com podcast. My guest today is Stacy Reidinger, who is president of Reidinger Public Relations. We'll discuss PR professionals as advocates of civic engagement. A Southern Louisiana native, Stacy enlisted in the United States Marine Corps in 1993, was commissioned as an officer in 2004, and served 24 years until retiring as a major in 2017. Stacy served in Afghanistan, Kuwait, Australia, the Republic of the Philippines, Japan, and in the United States, of course. She's a community engagement chair for the San Diego Imperial County Public Relations Society of America, PRSA, chapter. A PRSA, National Voices for Everyone Civic Engagement Committee Chair and President of the Homemade San Diego Board and Interim Executive Director. Stacy, welcome. Thank you for having me today. What are we talking about when we say civic engagement? What does that mean? It's a lot broader, I think, than most of us realize. Yes. Yeah, so um, I agree with you that I, um, I'm glad you brought it up early in our conversation today. So for our conversation today, I'd say let's focus in on civic engagement, really meaning active participation in the public life of a community in an informed, committed, and constructive manner with a focus on the common good. So when we're thinking about it, civic engagement, this could be anything from political involvement, voting, campaigning, or writing letters to your representatives. It could be direct service, giving personal time and energy to address immediate community needs, social responsibility, just considering the welfare in others and your environment when making decisions. Um, it could include philanthropic giving, um, advocacy and education, using your voice to persuade decision makers to make choices that benefit the community, and things like association involvement, being a board member, being a volunteer, participating um, in some way that focuses on community improvement. Now, civic engagement, according to youth.gov, which is a federal website, includes paid and unpaid forms of activism, environmentalism, I'm sorry, political activism, environmentalism, and community and national service. Does Is that also within the definition we're discussing today? Yes, definitely. That definitely would. And I believe that that's one of the organizations that um, – if I were to say as a resource for those listening today, that that's an excellent one to consider and look at. Now, that particular organization is youth-oriented. Does that information apply in the same way to people who are already in a career way, who have already started work and are employed, let's say? Sure, because I could see us as PR professionals if someone wanted to provide some level of PR communication, digital marketing support to that nonprofit to help advance its cause. I mean, one of the key pieces with civic engagement is that we're finding, um, I pulled up some research reports recently that um, it, they, they found that in order for us to have an engaged, informed public that wants to be um, involved in civic activities, it's good to start them young. Um, we found that people that do not get involved at a young age are not necessarily as likely to be involved later on. So um, even though it might be youth-oriented, they are our future. And it's very important for us as professionals to use some of our expertise in that way to help boost and, and help that organization thrive. How is civic engagement similar or different to volunteering um, well, volunteering actually falls within civic engagement um, and from the definition that, that I'm really thinking of. Um, volunteering can go anything from if we're talking about PR professionals to providing pro bono support or even just being on speed dial for a nonprofit or group that's seeking advice, maybe starting a new program, developing a press release, trying to determine how to get press behind an initiative they have. Um, it can also um, involve as an agency or as an organization, you choosing a certain groups to support throughout the year and through cause marketing, or even having, I've seen organizations that have determined that they will um, have a contest where they'll allow um, three to five nonprofits to um, be selected out of several that apply 
And then from there, they'll give them X amount of pro bono consulting support and really help them to further develop their um, initiatives. So volunteering is a huge part, but it's not all. Um, a public, it can also include public service. I myself serving in the military, that's considered civic engagement. When you go out and you do something um, to support your country in a, um, a way where you're serving the public good, serving in your local city council, um, which could either be in a paid or unpaid um, capacity. So, yeah, it's a pretty broad piece, but volunteering is a big part of it. Where does that line fall between volunteering, unpaid, and paid civic engagement? Is there a hard and fast line that's easy to identify? How do you approach that? Hmm, that's a great question. I'd say if someone was interested in, in helping in some way to um, benefit the community, um, I guess for that person that's looking out there, if they have the time and the resources to support in an unpaid way, then that's a great way to get started. And then from there, there may be paid opportunities that come after that if someone is um, seeking or interested in a need. I have seen many instances where we've had people within our profession um, who might be working, um, let's say, as a paid um working with someone as a paid client providing support and then they find out through that client or they find out later that that client's struggling and, they're, and then they're able to potentially help them in some way um, where there isn't a fee involved. But um, I think it's really up to the inv- individual. If someone's seeking out a way to participate because they feel strongly about a cause, normally what we're seeing is that that's happening um, in a very um, – organic way and it's happening without um, someone necessarily applying for a paid internship or applying for a paid position. And there's a lot of impact you can make um, with a very limited time schedule. So I want people to understand that we're not saying that this needs to be a second or third job or gig. This is actually a, a way that you can um, make an impact. You already have the experiences. People are seeking these experiences and this expertise out. Um, so I guess it really depends on those two things, financially and then time-wise, what you can afford to do um, in either a paid or an unpaid way. And you were saying a minute ago that serving in the military is a form of civic engagement. How far does that extend? In other words, for example, is anybody who is working for a nonprofit or working for any of the armed forces are all of those people who work in those capacities, either for the government, armed forces, nonprofits, is that all civic engagement? You know, because this is kind of a, I mean, if we go back to the definition, active participation in the public life of a community in an informed, committed, constructive manner, focusing on the common good, then I would say yes, that um, those that are working in those positions now Specific to the public relations profession, I'd like to state that um, I think that that kind of narrows in our focus here a little bit when it comes to civic engagement. How can we use what we've learned, how we understand how to analyze the media, how to, how to understand key publics, um, to be able to use that expertise to help these um, nonprofit organizations as well as the government, as well as even our own businesses um, to be able to support um, and, and kind of bring um, some level of improvement to society. How do you how do you start? How do you go about identifying in what way you want to become engaged and mm-hmm. identifying the next steps? So. You know, I'd like to kind of share a little bit about how I got involved, and then I will share a couple of those pieces with you. So, you know, throughout my life, I've had all types of really amazing things happen that I felt that I felt fell into my lap, and then I've seen a lot of hardships and things occur, and just stood there and scratched my head and and just didn't feel like I had any level of confidence or control over how to make a positive change. And after working in developing countries, um, actually living in some more depressed and uh, impoverished areas in my home state of Louisiana, 
um, and learning and understanding through my college education um, how to help others. I think I went back and I really looked at things that, to me, I felt were social injustices. I felt that were either things that had had um, impacted people in my life, whether they were employees, whether they were my family, my friends, my community. And that's where I started. I really started there. And I think that that's what led me to with working with Homemade San Diego as a volunteer to help them to advance the cause of building housing for the homeless, really helping those experiencing homeless to have a place for them to um, have dignity and to have wraparound services to essentially help them, if they can, have self-efficacy. Um, additionally, I felt really strongly leaving the military that our military members leaving service were at a disadvantage. Many of the younger ones without a college degree or even those with, we leave a very strong military um, uh, environment and culture that's, that can be difficult to um uh, to transition into the civilian sector. So I started volunteering with them, and I still do today as a mentor, helping those veterans to figure out what's the next step and for them to feel confident that they can be successful. So that's where I say start. Start where your heart's at. Start where you feel like there's things going on that um, that you can't just not think about, and you're like, I wish I could do something. Start there, and then look for opportunities um, they're not hard. You can Google search it. You can um, go to um, actually PRSA has a great website called Voices for Everyone. It's Voices, the number four, everyone.prsa.org. We have a list there of lots of different places you can connect and try to get involved. And those organizations will um, allow you to even search based on the topic. So let's say that you're interested in stopping um or supporting organizations that um, stop sex trafficking or or um, those helping um, mothers, single mothers getting out of domestic violence or helping um, with um, even like something like the recent Asian hate um, type of sentiment that's been per- percolating across our country. There's groups that are that are forming and developing and trying to get their message out about why we need to stand behind those that are in those um, that are in those um, ethnic groups and and try to prevent um, things like that from happening from them being um, them being discriminated against. So um, that's kind of where I think you should start. Is that website page that you mentioned, is that specifically for PRSA members? Do you have to be a PRSA member to access it or is that open to the general public? It's at, it's open to the general public. I'm a part of the team that helped develop Voices for Everyone and we were extremely, um, we're, we're extremely focused on making this open to everyone. It may eventually become something that falls under a paywall with PRSA, but for now it's, it's available. Please take advantage of it. One of the challenges that I've heard voiced about, well, consulting in general, but also in in a volunteer capacity, is the difficulty of getting executive executives and leaders to listen to public relations practitioners. And I imagine that these challenges are also present when you are volunteering. What can you tell us about that? Mm-hmm. So I echo what you're stating, and that has happened in my professional and in my volunteer uh, service that I have provided. Um, Not as much on the volunteer side, mostly because a lot of the nonprofits that are out there, unless they're very large, um, they are looking for any help that they can get in order to to drive their uh, mission and to support their cause in whatever way they can. So there's usually more appreciation, I notice, on the nonprofit side if you're doing that in a, either a paid or a, or, a, um, or a pro bono way. For businesses, I think you have to be able to align what that cause is and how you're supporting it with the business's overall objectives. What I mean by that is that Let's choose an organization I worked for after I retired. I work for the UPS store, which is a UPS company. 
The UPS store has over 5,000 franchises across the country. And working as their PR director and social media director, we had to obviously do brand management, crisis communications, but we also had a cause marketing arm. Now, we could have gone off in several different directions with that mark, with that marketing cause arm because we have a very large, um, supportive uh, franchise, um, extension as well as UPS with their foundation. But what we chose is that we wanted to focus in on one cause and really, um, give it an impact. So what we have is the Toys for Tots literacy program that partners with Toys for Tots. And, um, that means that there was fundraising throughout the year done by our franchisees. And in addition to that, we did some additional cause marketing types of initiatives. We actually one year um, across the country, we let different um, schools that were supporting literacy, especially in um, underrepresented and lower income areas, to submit a package. And we looked through all those. We selected 10 of them, and each of them got $10,000 worth of free books for their schools. And we would go out across the country and either get those delivered via mail or we, by UPS, or we would actually go in and do book readings and deliver those books out. Um, and then the third thing we did for that initiative was we would, um, we would have a Rose Parade float. And we still do that. We had to skip last year, but when I was working there, we had our Rose Parade float and it was truly a way for us to elevate that cause. And for us to obviously get out our brand name as well, but it really did help us to um, give back. And we did it in a very thoughtful and um, timely way. Literacy is always going to be an issue that we want to address and we want to improve upon. Um, and the we really also one thing I will say as well is you got to get buy in from those across the organization. So we did a lot of focus groups and figuring out early on for Toys for Tots Literacy Program, why it was going to be a good program to support because we had the buy-in from those franchisees and we had the buy-in from our leadership. So um, that's where I think that that you should try to, to, to look at and see if you're, let's say you have a nice organization, they're doing really well, numbers look great, but they don't have any cause marketing. They don't have any program involved. Um, like at UPS, employees could actually submit um they could submit requests and say i would like for ups to support this nonprofit organization or to go and do an, a community outreach um, event with this organization and we would like to have x amount of budget with it and they had a vetting process and, and from there if it was approved then that employee um and or the associates that worked with that employee at that um, location could then go out and do that actual on the ground type of giving or they could make that formal donation to the cause. So um, just, you know, getting those ideas out there, finding out what other companies are doing, finding out why they're doing it and then taking that evidence and bringing that to your boss and to your organization. Say, listen, you know, these things are happening. Um, corporate social responsibility is looked at more and more by customers employees, shareholders. So let's see what we can do to get started. Now, that's a, a for-profit and a very large company that you were mm -hmm. just talking about. Is that also under the civic engagement hat? Where What is that boundary? I don't think that there is a boundary. You know, if, if, if a company so, so I want to really refer everybody to a great report that came out, and, and I am going to be supporting a um, PRSA international conference uh, session on this in October in Orlando, and it's about um, USC and the USC Annenberg School of Public Relations. Um, they actually they actually can't come out with an annual global report on public relations, and their global report this year that came out is on new activism. And I want people to go check it out. We're going to actually have hopefully some of our USC counterpart researchers in Orlando with me to discuss it. But what they're finding more and more is that as people are questioning whether or not they have as much trust as they used to in government or they used to have in um, in certain groups that were supposedly supposed to be looking out for the best for common good, a lot of people are shifting back and looking at business in that realm and looking towards businesses that are that are 
that are able um, because they have the uh, technology, they have the skills, they have the profits to be able to go forward and make impacts in um, society. So it's huge. It's a huge piece. There really is no delineating line between civic engagement being something that is initiated by a business or by an individual or by an association or by a nonprofit group. Um, it, It permeates through all of those and, and um, I guess the big thing is that people sometimes just don't realize what they can do. <laughs> and we only have so much time in the day. So um, it, it's, 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 it's a beautiful mix. There's plenty of organizations and companies to, to refer to out there, Ben and Jerry's. And, um, gosh, I don't have the full list in front of me. Of course, I like ice cream. Maybe that's why I said Ben and Jerry's. But there's companies like that that actually have uh, as a part of their mission that what they're doing is order to, is 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 also part of what they're doing is in some way um, going towards the um, improving society and helping to um, do something towards the common good. There are companies that are that have a history or are perceived as not being good citizens of their community or citizens of the country, however you want to look at it, who engage in very small projects relative to the amount of profits after they are outed for their poor behaviors. Is that still civic engagement? Can you feel good about the civic engagement when the the contrast is so sharp? You know, I do, I do, you know, I wouldn't like to go into detail about those organizations. I do know those companies that you're speaking of. And, you know, it's really hard to judge from being on the outside. You know, I think that you and I both and many others listening today have been on the other side of that table and we don't know exactly what took place. We only hear it from whatever is shared with us. So, I wouldn't want to be the one to judge on those situations, but to me, if things occurred within an organization and this was done in a reactive way in order to placate or to to make amends for things that occurred within a society or within a community, why not? I mean, it's better to do than not. Now, if it's only done in a way um, – if it's only done in a way, like you stated, in a very targeted, small way, and it's not truly making an impact, it's just pretty much a PR stunt, then, you know, I think that there's another issue there, and that falls under ethics. And really that organization, and um, you can't, it doesn't all fall on the public relations team, but that organization, each, each organization has its own way of uh, its business ethics and, and the decisions that it makes. But I know in, under the PRSA Code of Ethics, um, having that that good relationship with the community and also trying as much as possible to um, do things that are in alignment with um, improving society and 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 your bottom line um, would be preferred. But yeah, I mean there are there are times where um, things appear on the outside whenever they do come out to us that it, it does come across as putting a band aid on an issue. Um, after many, many people and communities and, and others are um, in, a, in a very bad situation or feeling very bad about how that company handled things. There's also a big outcry increasingly lately about the environment and companies taking on responsibility and demanding, in many cases, that companies take responsibility. And so if they are engaging in policies that do that, does that still fall under the civic engagement umbrella? Is, is, that, is that still okay? You know, if you're doing good, even if you're doing good because the stockholders demand it or the consumers or both are demanding it, is that still good civic engagement? I believe so. I do. I, I believe that to take the step and go from talking to action to doing something to getting out there to using your profits for good to righting wrongs to um, showing the transparency that needs to be shown as a company that we're all human and that we um, make mistakes or that we make decisions 
with pros and cons in mind and trying to have as few cons as possible, but it's really difficult to have all sides win. I think, I think it's, it's fine. Um, the preference obviously would be the proactive nature of, of not having those issues arise, but, um, it, it, I think it shows for an organization to come out and say, you know what, these things occurred and, and now we realize in hindsight that we need to do better. And, and in order to, to prove that, here are some steps we're taking. I think the big thing is instead of talking, it's doing. And if you're doing it and, and you're doing it in a way to help the common good, then yes, then I think that that's, that's, that's what needs to be going on. And us as PR professionals being in that circle of trust with the senior leadership, having their ear and following the vibe of things and helping them understand how what that company's doing um, is positively or negatively impacting um, communities, our customers, the environment, um, things like that early on. Um, and then the best that you can do is to give them that guidance and advice and, and obviously working with lawyers and others to determine what the, what, what um, decisions will be made. But, um, you know, sometimes I've seen companies that, understand what they're about to do will have some cons for certain groups and what they do is they try to be proactive as much as possible in order to offset whatever um, issues may arise because of their decisions so um yeah i mean it's a, it's a huge i mean if you really look at it, it it encompasses so many different areas of engagement do you have any numbers that you can share with us how many people, specifically since we're talking about public relations practitioners out there or what percentage of practitioners out there are engaged in civic engagement? Yeah, let me, um, if you give me a second, I'll pull up that Annenberg study and I have some numbers from it. Okay, um, can you just say that question again and I'll go ahead and share? Certainly. Do you have a picture that you can paint for us of how many practitioners, or if you don't have practitioners specifically, how many people overall are involved in civic engagement? Sure. So based on a recent USC Annenberg Global Communication Report, um, they dove into this topic, and what they found was of those that they – that they surveyed and studied, 70% of public relations professionals see themselves as allies, which uh, means people who support activists, whereas um, only 24% of those PR professionals saw themselves as activists, which are people who are more vocal, who protest, strike, petition, um, get involved in their um, communities with social issues. Now, I know that this might be a little bit more pointed than your question, but I do believe that it's important for people to see this because um, what their research also uncovered was that those same PR professionals who didn't feel quite um, comfortable with being activists in their communities, they actually, the majority of them, over 70 percent of them, felt quite comfortable to be in a, um, to take a stand on a cause if their business that they worked for wanted them to take a stand for the businesses um, uh, to support their business. So meaning if some, if someone worked within the workplace and um, a, 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 a social issue came up and their business wanted to take a stand or wanted to do something to support um, that um, social cause in some way, they quickly um, stood up and brought forward ideas and information and, and activated themselves for that. But maybe that, and what we're seeing is that same issue out in their community, they were not doing it as much. So that's what we're going to kind of unload when we have that session in October, where we're trying to figure out why. Why are they feeling more comfortable to take a stand and, and to move forward those initiatives or to not take a stand and to be silent on initiatives with their business uh, in the company that they work for, if they're a contract, if they're a consultant for themselves, how they do it versus being, um, in a position where they feel like they can use those same skills to help community associations um, and, and help with different groups within their community. Um, it's very perplexing, and obviously we can look at 
you know, we could insinuate that, you know, if someone's paid to do something, they're going to be focused in on that. And that's what they spend their most of their their uh, daily lives doing. So it's something that they are going to support. Um, but why not take those same skills and, and expertise that you have and, and, and shifting that into um, the community and doing something there as well um, in a private capacity? Do you have further details, uh, any breakdown geographic or by age, ethnicity, gender, et cetera, that you can share with us? Yes. Let me pull that up for you. So let's see. For I have tons of uh, research findings in front of me. (laughs) I want to make sure I get to the right one you're asking for. Let's see. Looking for the demographics here. I I think that they left that out in this research report, and and I am looking at a, a nice like I'm not looking at the you know probably 150 page report. I'm looking at a infographic that has all of the content really cleaned up in a in a presentable way visually. Um, what they ended up doing was really putting in here the meat of of what their they really wanted to focus in on the activities that people were doing. For instance, I have like let's examine the activities many people define um, activists to take part in. And then there's one PR professionals participate in the following activities determines if someone is committed activist and it kind of has a list of whether that's political participation, civic engagement, or slacktivism. Um, so they have like a lot of pieces. I don't, I can't find it in here though right away. If I'm understanding correctly, from that study, the conclusion is that most of the PR practitioners, other than activities that are furthering their career, are not engaged in civic engagement. Is that right? Well, yes. So no, I actually what they are doing is that what this research report's finding is that they are in a supportive capacity to activists, but they themselves do not place label themselves as an activist. And we're finding that the numbers skew that the younger our peer professionals are, the more of them emergingly are starting to see themselves as activists and not just as someone who is um, in a supportive role to those who are. Is there any further information in terms of the form that that activism takes or the number of hours, the percentage of time, the areas of the country where this is more present? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Yes. Let's see. So when it comes to when it comes to civic engagement and it comes to activism, the USC Annenberg um, World Communication Report states that communicators believe social media is by far the most effective tool for today's activists. The Internet has shifted the power to the individual activist who can use social media to unite like-minded people from different countries. Activists also believe in the power of social media but place equal importance on traditional vehicles like billboards, books. Um, They are also looking at um, the use of um, media relations, TV, um, participating in events, films, documentaries, websites, online petitions, um, radio, print. Um, books themselves, direct mail and phone. So there's a, there's a slew of different ways that activists are, um, uh, different tools that they're using. And for PR professionals, what we're noticing here with their findings is that social media was the highest by far. Um, in comparison to activists who consider themselves active, those that consider themselves activists separate from just a PR professional, but an activist themselves, they are leaning the most towards billboards, direct mail, 
um, books and email. Um, for PR professionals after social media, they're leaning on television and um, events. So as we can see, it does seem as if our peer professionals with our expertise with media relations, as well as social media digital marketing, and um, using activations as a way to reach um, targets, those are some of the, the um, areas that it seems as if they're participating in. Um, and again, when I say that, that's in support of either, mostly it's in support of their companies. Um, some of this is also when they're supporting their community in a private capacity. So mostly the PR practitioners are leaning toward social media, meaning posting a photo on Instagram or a video on fill in the blank, as opposed to actually going into contact or engaging in an active form beyond digital participation. Is that right? Yes, that's a, that's what the, this report. That's what the reports are stating. Mm-hmm. And that you said is a global report by global. Does that mean international beyond the U.S. borders? It says uh, 2020 Global Communication Report, and when I went down um, for the report itself, the data was collected through an online survey fielded by the um, Center for Public Relations, USC Annenberg, and distributed through PR-related email and social media groups. Um, It asked the questions that I just shared with you, and... um, It encompasses 837 responses from PR professionals, of which 503 were PR professionals working in agency consultancy establishments and 334 working as in-house PR professionals. 72% of the PR professionals were from the United States and the remaining 28% from other countries. Any further breakdown? Sure. The PR professionals in the sample were mostly between 45 and 54 years old. That's 27.5%, followed by 35 to 44 years, which is 23.3%. And 39.3% indicated that they were male, 58.8% female, and 1.9% other or preferred not to answer. Nearly half had 20 years or more of work experience in PR industry. And regarding their political orientation, 58.6% identified as liberal and 25.4% center, 17.8% as conservative. And then there was also a student sample taken. So there was the PR professional sample. For the student sample, that was 195 respondents, and the respondents were 20.5% male, 76.8% female, and 2.7% did not identify as either. And they were 71% were between 18 and 24 years old and 17.9% between 25 to 34 years old. And 90% were from the United States. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of great rich information here that kind of starts to help us see the differences between what these 20-plus year PR professionals, what they see, feel, and think when it comes to um, civic engagement, activism, and then the student sample and how those students, how they're, um, you know, emerging even from maybe being activists in the college environment and then how that's permeating into the workplace, either as um, an in-house um, consultant, as an agency rep, um, and then how the younger generation is, because they were more involved in it in college, at a younger age, how that's permeating into even their personal lives and how they're um, taking action. So it was a very interesting study. Beyond benefits such as a salary, so if they're in civic engagement because they are being paid to do the work, or professional advancement, such such as participating in member organizations like PRSA, IABC, etc. What, if any, benefits are these advocates of civic engagement gaining? What can you tell us about that? In other words, why are they becoming advocates of civic engagement? Why are they interested in these 
form of community participation? Well, some of them are just frustrated. They feel like the system's not working for them. They feel like their voice is not being heard. They feel like there are social injustices, there are issues and problems that are continuing to um, impact their lives or their families or their communities. And they're tired of sitting at the sidelines and watching things happen. Um, a lot of people are becoming more and more disgruntled with um, the polarization, the civil unrest, the um, lack of civility where people can't even sit down and have a conversation with pr differing perspectives. And, you know, maybe they've, they've found a way to break through all of that distraction um, in some really defined, simple way. I think people are starting to realize, you know what, maybe I'm just going to be that person that's standing on the side of the road with a sign, and I'm going to show my support in this way because it's not being heard through the media. It's not being heard through other channels. Um, and that, that's, that's a powerful, that's a powerful movement. And, and, and it's really important on civic engagement for people to realize that, um, people that are doing those picketing or, um, uh, that are doing, um, protests in a civil way without causing harm or damage to themselves or others, that is just like a billboard. That is just like something on the news. That is just like something in a documentary. That's their form of getting out and trying to build awareness and get people to um, take to also um, do something about it. Um, I think also there's been a growing level of inequality in our country, and people are tired of seeing that, that wages haven't reached a place where people feel as if they can make ends meet, and they're having to lean heavily on nonprofits and government support to provide those um, resources and and just um, wanting to shake the, shake the tree a little bit and to see if there's some way to get these very profitable companies to see if they can make changes and um, – and th change doesn't happen when people are comfortable. People have to be uncomfortable to make these changes. And sometimes it can ruffle feathers. But you know what? Ruffling feathers is how most of our activists over the over the centuries have made changes happen. Um, so I'm really proud to see other people that are out, especially our younger generation, um, not having that cloak of of um, censorship on themselves or being scared to to make a move. Um, it's just right now the fear is that, you know, doing it in a destructive way is not going to help to strengthen our democracy. You know, people that are doing these things, what I'd like to share is to do this in a way to bring us together. Don't divide our country. What we need is a strong country. I've lived in other places. The United States is considered one of the best places in the world to live. I have family that are from other countries that tell me that they are citizens here now, and they they would do anything to just protect the Constitution or democracy that we have compared to what they used to live through. So, um, really, it's it's a it's a it's a big thing. It's a really strong um, part of my life and and what I've weaved into my daily life and what I, I try to um, influence others to to. Take a little bit of time and see what you can do in your local community. Are there any studies that you're aware of, Stacey, that address the psychological benefits, the feeling good aspect of giving back, of being a part of your community through civic engagement? You know what? There are, and I've read I've read a couple of those. I would have to, I think we have a couple of those that are on our site. Let me go pull that up real quick. I'm on here now. Let's see. Because you're right. I mean, there is the, there is this part about whenever you're helping others, how it um, it it also can help you. And, and I, I'll, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of stats that have come out during this tail end of COVID, which unfortunately may be moving back into a restrictive period with COVID, that People who were in these situations where they were more isolated and did not get to have the social interactions, those that went internal and were not actually um, doing things to to maybe help others, they were more likely to fall into anxiety and depression and, and, and to have 
um, either even health issues that can form due to loneliness, whereas those that turned outward and said, what can I do to help? Whatever it is, go to a food bank and help volunteer time to give out food or to go to a place where they're doing COVID testing and volunteer to, to help them to process people through the line um, or even to do something online. What can I do to share information so that people know where to go get vaccinated? All of those things have proven to um, help people um, to to be able to get through these tough times and to become more resilient to some of the effects of isolation. Um, but I'm sorry, I did not find it because I was saying that to you. <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay, okay. Is there anyone who has measured the impact of these, and again, we're talking about such a broad area, Mm -hmm. Uh, but is there any kind of measurement that addresses the benefits, the effect on the individual, on the community, on nonprofits, in any way, in a, yes, a measurable way? You know, a a great resource that I would have those listening to refer to is the, um, the Civic League, um, they come out with reports and, and updates. They do research and they pull up findings and share that. Um, but they're just one in, in a bucket of, I'd say, probably hundreds that have emerged, whether they be attached with a, an academic arm or they are um, themselves their own movement um, that, that, that are digging into this issue and really trying to help people understand how um, them getting involved can positively impact their business, their community, um, their, like we talked about, their psychological health, um, and and things like that. So that's one in particular that I would say, but I don't have any specifics in front of me. Um, I wish I did. I wish I had that before the call today. <laughs> I would have shared that with you. Where can our listeners get additional information on being advocates of civic engagement, are there resources other than the Voices for Everyone that you mentioned earlier, uh, the, uh, the Annenberg study? Is there anything else that you care to share? Sure. So um, there's there's um, a long list of options, and I'd like to maybe share something with you that you can put in for people that are going to listen to the podcast. It can maybe be on your website, but um, just places like Idealist, Taproot Foundation, Volunteer Match, Points of Light, um, Upswell. Um, there's a great nonprofit called DoSomething.org, um, and and kind of like their tagline is, is, we are a youth-led movement for good. Now, again, I don't want people to shun away because it says youth. Like I stated earlier, um, in order for our youth to be the future that we we would like to see, we 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 as as professionals at whatever point we are in our careers, let's let's wrap our arms around these youth organizations and help because these younger youth, if they're involved now, studies are showing that they will be involved in some way, most more likely to be involved in the future. Additionally, other groups that I would um, recommend include um, Catch a Fire. Um, Catchafire.org is a virtual volunteer project. They they help you to set up virtual volunteer projects that fit your schedule. So this can be for individuals. This can be for organizations. They strengthen the social good sector by matching professionals who want to donate their time with nonprofits who need their skills. I love their site and what they're doing. Um, and then um, also there's a interesting um, article I would refer everyone to by Brookings Institute that's called The Bucket List for Involved Citizens, 76 Things You Can Do to Boost Civic Engagement. And it's just a really clean list. It's not hard to move through and read. They even provide a little bit of background on um, civic engagement. They refer to it as the glue that holds self-government together. They really truly believe that civic participation and engagement um, has been on the decline, and and I echo that. Um, And so it's really important groups like this believe that everyone um, should be as active and involved 
as possible that's within their means. So I hope that that, that helped you a little bit. I think that those are some great resources to refer to. We are looking at an new generation coming into the workforce and the one behind it that are more diverse than we have seen in our nation's history. Is there anything that you can share with us about PR professionals as advocates of civic engagement and diversity? Yes, I would definitely state that more than ever, you know, it's shaken us to the core from what we saw the last few years and really just understanding that race relations um, and diversity and inclusion um, encompass lots of different groups. It's not just about color. It's also about um, special protected groups and people of different um, sexual uh, orientations and those of different um, um, a different special groups that they are associated with and understanding how bringing those diverse perspectives in and having them as a part of a team for an organization or for a nonprofit or a part of an association um, is very important. One, one um, uh, key example I'll let you know is that the public RPRSA chapter in San Diego, we just um, hired a consultant who is working with us over the next year in order to assess and help us better understand um, the blind spots that may exist for us as employees, as those that hire others, as those that work in our communities to um, support as volunteers, um, to, to, um, to um, elect board members, um, to help us better, to be better, inclusive, better at inclusivity and recognizing when those voices are not at the table, how to bring them in in a respectful, um, orderly manner that they can come in and really help us to improve um, what we're doing um, for our business or for our community. Um, so hopefully that helps a little bit. Is there any data from the survey that we were discussing earlier regarding the percentage of respondents to the survey that addressed diversity or that saw themselves as diverse and their how welcome they felt in being advocates for civic engagement. So I didn't see that in the Annenberg study, but again, I think that there might have been pieces of that that I wasn't able to um, provide to you today. But I would say that I would state that on the um, PRSA Voices for Everyone site, we do have a separate section that's called Diversity and Inclusion, and it has uh, it has several different layers, everything from thought leadership to learnings to get involved in toolkits and resources that people can refer to because um, PRSA finds that this is a very big critical issue that we can help to um be the, be kind of the change agent for um, in our organizations. Stacy, thank you for joining us from San Diego, California. You're welcome. I hope you have a great day out there in Florida. <laughs> and to our audience, you have been listening to Stacy Reidinger, who is president of Reidinger Public Relations, who discussed PR professionals as advocates of civic engagement. To propose a guest for the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicmpr.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.